Hello, welcome to the Sound of History Podcast. My name is Nick. Percussion. <laughs> That's Mika. She's still not giving her name. And we Wind. actually have guests this time. <laughs> That's us. This yes. is where we talk. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's Introduce my best yourself. <laughs> it's Madison. Amber Lucky. Oh, <laughs> yay. Yay, friendship. I'm so happy. <laughs> they are just going to help Miko with her portion of the show. And I need help. <laughs> derail the show for the next little bit. Really need help. <laughs> Okay, so I guess we'll just go into Mika is the host now. Mika is the host now. <laughs> I have a co-host this evening. Her name is Madison Farron. She is very intelligent and good at reporting. Madison, what's going on out there in the it world of like Frisbees? you're trying to do like a half Bill Cosby in first impression, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> That's what that voice sounded like right there. I'm not. <laughs> so in our so in our secret in our secret co-host meeting. The secret co-host meeting. Which we had and everyone heard it, so it wasn't <laughs> that secret. Because but we don't have doors <laughs> <laughs> in our apartment. <laughs> <laughs> we have some to the outside. Just not to the inside. <laughs> Madison is the host oh now. Boy. I'm the host now. Not Blake. Blake doesn't get to be the host ever. He's no. sitting next to me. I'm waiting patiently. That's fair. <laughs> so, on a very serious note. Yes. Do you know what's been bothering me? What's been bothering you? Okay, so here's what I found out. What? About the inventor of the Frisbee. <laughs> when he died. This is facts. This is science. You can look it up. Was his name Frisbee? I have no idea. I can't remember that part of the article because well, the how much up. research did you do? <laughs> A lot. I did like more <laughs> research than I should how have. How do you not know what his name? Is? I forget. <laughs> Elijah, Juniper. I don't know. Walter Frederick Morrison. Okay, I was close, but anyway, <laughs> that's so the guy off of Glee. The inventor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the inventor same of person. The frisbee. When he died, his family. Had him cremated and turned into a frisbee. That's fun. That's facts. That's dedication. See, see, and that's not even the part that bothers me. (laughs) (laughs) So the secondary part of my research is me trying to figure out where that frisbee is now. Did they just throw it? I have no idea. That's what I would have done. There is no documentation on where this frisbee is. And so I'm thinking like somebody has to have it like on a mantle or did someone forget and they're like jimmy where's the grandpa frisbee and it's like <laughs> on somebody's <laughs> rooftop so like unbeknownst to them the inventor of the frisbee frisbee is on their house i would have just walked up to the tallest mountain i could find and just chuck it <laughs> <laughs> just someone's like oh a fun new frisbee in my backyard <laughs> my biggest question is if you play with it and it hits you in the mouth oh. how gross is that <laughs> Why do you always have to take it to that <laughs> place? Maybe anyway. it was the frisbee from when we met and fell in love. It might have been. <laughs> Maybe I got hit in the head by the inventor <laughs> of the, the frisbee himself. Of the frisbee. <laughs> he really wanted to bring us together. He somehow ended up on the MTSU college campus. <laughs> anyway. Hit your face. Yeah, I'm hit my face. Okay. But that's so where that I've been this week. That's, that's so cool. Um. I would like to plug oh, something. Okay. This oh, is going to be course. the longest Mika's the host ever. It's the it's best. Mika is the host of the whole show now. <laughs> this is a joke that we make every single time, and then I don't know what to talk about. Um, I would like to plug Madison Farron. That's all. <laughs> she did write a book. 
which we told you about already. That was yeah, another Mika's Madison plug. Madison Fair and Rights, right? Yes. Madison Fair and Rights. She does, com. and that is also where you can <laughs> find her. <laughs> <laughs> she was going to write, but we kidnapped her, Blake, and now she is here. Did you want to be the host? Blake is the say? host now. Blake's not the host. Oh my gosh, you can talk about anything now. Okay, so Blake, Blake is the host for a second. Blake is the host now. I'm pretty scared about this. I don't oh. have anything significant say to talk about. Th- me neither. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did get some really cool books at McKay's. Nice. That's what I'm pretty excited about okay. this week. Yay for reading. Blake plugs <laughs> reading. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So as you certainly guessed, this is a music history podcast, and now we're going to talk about music history. Mm. So, it wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a really long time, but we're finally back in the world of musical theater. Yay, I never <laughs> left. <laughs> <laughs> so now is now you have people to teach. So what do you remember about our first trip to Broadway? <laughs> I just remember that really, really cool lady who invented like the the traveling theater troupe, and then she hired John Wilkes Booth. Yep, Laura Keene. Yeah, was she name. was cool. Not the best judge of character. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I good remember. Good judge of actors, though. He was apparently a very good actor in all respects. He acted like he wasn't going to kill the president, and then he did. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. So today, we're going to talk about Broadway in around like the 1920s through the Great Depression era, er, era into like World War II a little bit, but not much. We're still going to do a season on Broadway after we're done with this. Yay! So this is going to be just kind of like a general overview of this period. And we'll talk more in depth whenever we're finally ready for a season two of this thing in like two years. Are we going to be in season one for two years? It's going to be a while. We're we're covering all of American history right now. (laughs) So in the late 1800s and early 1900s, Broadway was controlled by this powerful organization called the Syndicate. That sounds like a supervillain. It sounds like a mafia thing, which I'm pretty sure it actually is. In 1896, six men gathered for lunch at the Holland House restaurant in New York City. I would tell you their names, but I know you wouldn't remember them. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not going to bother with that. The important thing is they were all theater managers and owners with powerful connections in the industry throughout the country. These men recognized the general chaos that was happening with theater booking and decided to join forces and create basically a monopoly. With all of them working together, they controlled all of the top theaters in the country. They called themselves the Theatrical Syndicate, and they organized all of the theaters they owned and operated into a national chain. They sound like dorks. <laughs> My question is, like, in this restaurant, is there, like, a booth that says, like, <laughs> the birthplace syndicate. of the syndicate, and, like, no one knows what it is? I don't know if the Holland House is still operational, but I hope so. It. Let's go. Oh, let's look it up. We have a laptop. Yeah. We'll add that to our... Mm-hmm. Our list of things to do in New York City together? Yes, exactly. Once, like, it's safe. It was a hotel, so I think it is no longer a hotel. I don't know. It says still Midtown Restaurant. Maybe it is. Who knows? Let's go get our butts or the nameless syndicate. We can start our own (laughs) syndicate that's nowhere nearly as powerful. We're going to control all of the (laughs) podcasts. (laughs) No, we're not. (laughs) coming for (laughs) you. That operate out of our apartment. Yeah. (laughs) We'll control all of them. (laughs) For years, the syndicate was untouchable. 
maybe easy to see them as some sort of like corporate overlord villains, which they might have been, but they also did a lot to save and progress theater as well. At this point, shows primarily existed by touring. That was how they earned money. But the touring part of the theater was pure chaos. There was no standard booking procedures, no predetermined routes, basically no oversight at all. So it was all up in the air for people to just, like, do whatever they wanted. So the syndicate stepped in and created order behind it. They made a standard booking procedure and sort of eased the pressure of theater companies figuring it out on their own. It's possible theater might have fizzled out or struggled pretty majorly without their influence. So not all bad guys. Thanks, Syndicate. So they're basically UPS. <laughs> theater. <laughs> they're shitty. Yes. I think that that's just a testament to what happens when you let creatives try to plan. <laughs> like with no type A people to intervene. It's also what the S stands for in UPS. creatives? I honestly don't know what you're referring to. <laughs> <laughs> like. I'm not creative. You host a podcast weekly called Mika's the host now. A, a lot of chaos in this one episode. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> Am I the puppy corn? Oh no. She's the puppy. I'm the puppy corn. <laughs> Mika is the host now. Oh no. Unstable unicorns, <laughs> right? Yes. Okay, play it. It's awesome. It's there's a pun cuz there's they're a in a lot stable. of I love the pun. I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> It's it's a card game and they're so cute and and also kind of violent sometimes and there's a puppy and it's just a good time. That actually says that on the box. It's <laughs> <laughs> verbatim the description of this game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nicholas, tell us more. <laughs> Nick is the host now. So wah, the syndicate. <laughs> the syndicate, even though they did some good stuff, they also faced a lot of criticism, mostly from the actors. They had power and didn't like the idea of being threatened, so they could be pretty ruthless, meaning the syndicate, not the actors. The actors had no power under the syndicate. Actors. Wow. No. <laughs> actors can still be pretty ruthless. Yeah. I know I really was when I was an actor. I don't <laughs> believe that for a no. second. <laughs> I, I saw your high school productions. <laughs> no. <laughs> ruthless mess and sparkling leotard. <laughs> I wish. I wish I was in a sparkling leotard. <laughs> <laughs> so people thought the syndicate overstepped their bounds and interfered in the shows, stifling creativity. Like, they didn't stick to the administrative portion that they were good at. They tried to, like, be like, no, you should do this in the show. The syndicate was so powerful that they alone determined what actors were hired for what shows and where shows could play under what director and producer. They essentially made every single decision in American theater. On the, like, top level the mid-level they didn't really care about because it wasn't making a lot of money so they just did the top stuff like off broadway yeah like off like smaller theaters theaters that are like 200 seats or whatever okay that still seems decently large not compared to like huge yeah not compared to broadway Broadway like 1500 are we like broadway now yeah broadway broadway Broadway. in the intro (laughs) where were you Oh, she was singing Under the Sea. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing the seagull vocals. Not Under the Sea. Kiss the girl. Kiss the girl. Whoa, whoa. Oh, Off Broadway with me. <laughs> then along came three poor kids from Syracuse, New York. Originally born in Lithuania, the three brothers' father was a horrible alcoholic salesman who spent almost all of the money he earned on alcohol. 
that's exactly the type of of environment that creative people need to their come names up with were stuff. Yeah, their names were Shadrach, Meshach, <laughs> and Abednego. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to let us get all of our jokes Lordy. out because the next sentence oh. is rough. Oh, so are you ready for oh this? No, he was a horrible alcoholic and like, oh. what'd he do? It was so bad that their sister actually died of starvation. Oh, That's oh how gosh. poor they were. So the brothers, at very young ages, got to work. Sam Schubert, the middle brother, worked as a shoeshine outside of a theater until he, was a, until he eventually landed a job in the theater as an usher. And he also worked in the box office a little bit. What's that face? I Madison. recognize the name Schubert. All right. He so impressed the owners of the theater that he worked his way up until he managed his own theater. With the backing of a few wealthy investors, he gained ownership of a few different theaters around Syracuse and gave his two brothers, J.J. and Lee, jobs managing those theaters. These are significantly more normal names <laughs> than what I'm used to. Well, I'm, I didn't write it down. But that's probably not their real names because they were born in Lithuania. So that's those were probably those <laughs> pretty American names. Yeah, they probably Americanized their names. Here, I'll I'll look it up. We'll see what they actually were. Well, I'm just talking about like like the stage names that we've been. Who was the one guy? I have no idea what you're just talking about right now. Just name off any of the people we've talked about recently. <laughs> 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 they all have weird names. Jimmy Rogers. No. <laughs> You kept calling Jimmy Carter, <laughs> Gad Turner. That was one. No, like, uh, like. Um, okay, so Lee was originally Levi, or something. Oh, that's which pretty is pretty yeah, normal name. Why'd they switch that? Yeah, I mean Lee's. Uh, well, this was probably a period of pretty deep anti-Semitism, so Levi might have mm. not been the best uh, name to have. Yeah. I think Samuel was just Samuel. That uh, makes sense. Um. Their original last name was S C H U B A R T, so Shabart. <laughs> J J was just Jacob J. So I guess they had pretty normal names, very Jewish names. What? What'd you say? You mean just like You're not talking into your mic. Peg leg people, like they had like peg leg people. <laughs> we didn't talk about pirates. What? <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying it had that vibe. I have no. <laughs> Can you explain to me what episode as I'm the guest? <laughs> What a oh, peg leg roll? vibe is jelly, jelly roll. roll, yeah, <laughs> and then and then peg leg with blind lemon <laughs> Jefferson. Peg leg is where you that got was from one. jelly roll. No, there was another one recently. I don't know. There was blind lemon Jefferson. There was jelly roll. There was and then then like I also there was no one with a peg leg. I don't know who <laughs> you're talking about. <laughs> you're fixating way too much on the peg leg because well, you said the peg, peg leg, leg people. <laughs> Talking about that style nickname, okay? It's a vibe. <laughs> I would be so mad if my nickname was Peg Leg, <laughs> and I didn't have I a peg leg. You didn't, like if you have a peg leg, like sure, okay, that's fair. But like without a peg leg, like I have two peg legs. That'd be so mean to just call me Peg Leg, like <laughs> even if I had one. I had a cousin who was born with his hands was uh, like. Just a different kind of hand. Lucky and he had everyone hand. called him Nubbin. Like <laughs> no. He told people to call him Nubbin, and we were like, Jonathan, no. <laughs> I really am thinking of one name I in particular. Is it Jelly Roll and Blind Lemon? Like, that didn't... Is it Jazz? Is it Blues? I think it might have... Is it... It was, like, semi-recently. Maybe Swing? I mean, we talked about Benny Goodman, which wasn't... That's not a, that's not a peg leg name. We talked about... <laughs> Chick Webb. No. That's what we talked about. 
Could you maybe make us a list of peg leg <laughs> names? <to laughs> yeah, like give, give me right an example direction. of what a peg leg name is. Because <laughs> I'm not getting it. <laughs> you just know it when you hear it. <laughs> Maybell? Was it one of the Carters? It. No, they're all beautiful. They are. Are you crying? Was <laughs> 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 it Fiddlin' John Carson? Maybe. <laughs> we'll say Fiddlin', it's Fiddlin', Fiddlin John Carson. Fiddlin' is Peg Leggy. Yeah. Look at that. We'll go with that. Cute. That's it. <laughs> you know it when you hear it. <laughs> okay. okay. So the Schuberts. We have Sam, Lee, and JJ. Sam is the middle. JJ is the youngest. Lee is the oldest. Sam worked his way up to managing a couple theaters, and then like he gave Lee and JJ jobs managing those theaters that he was given. But those theaters weren't enough. Sam wanted to take on Big Dog Theaters in New York. In 1900, he leased his first theater, the Herald Square Theater in Manhattan. And in 1905, he produced his first play, Fantana, which premiered at the Lyric Theater. Which I'm pretty sure is still the theater. I think that we've been That's to the Lyric Theater. It sounds very familiar. Yep. What did we see? I don't know. Probably a show. <laughs> <laughs> You're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, theater. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. So we have <gasps> been. Oh, that one was so cool. That was a cool theater. So over the first few years being in New York, Sam Schubert directly took on the syndicate. At that point, Just a lot of this. Just fought him like yes, fist like fight. Exactly. They met it in the street. And he had his Is this leg. how West Side Story <laughs> came up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, a lot of the syndicate founders were retired or too old to care about the business at all, but Sam still took on what was left of it, not backing down to their threats and fear tactics. In 1905, Sam Schubert was traveling to Pittsburgh for business when his train collided with freight cars. Oh my gosh. (laughs) His friend pulled him out of the wreckage, but he was severely injured. He would die two days later. His brothers, who had taken a somewhat support role to Sam's theater plans, like they liked it because it was making them money, but they didn't really care all that much about like taking on the syndicate or being these like theater manager people. They uh, stepped up and started like doing the work full force. Aww. They eventually rode the theater world, or they rid the theater world of the syndicate. There's a lot more to this that we will go more in depth in if we do a whole season on Broadway. Yeah. I just kind of want to like skim over it right now. It sounds like an action movie. Over the next several years, they pretty much created the Broadway district that we know now, building several of the area's most important theaters and launching the careers of people like Al Jolson, who we know. Do you want to give a recap on who Al Jolson is? We had a whole episode about Al Jolson. getting nervous because I was like, I don't remember that episode and then Mika didn't remember and I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> <I'll be fine. laughs> I it was a bonus episode. Oh, was he the one that we had to decide if we liked him or not? That's like everyone. That's uh, Yeah, that's <laughs> just how I live. Um, Al Jolson was the first person to be in a movie with sound. He was a blackface performer who inspired Bing Crosby and all the crooners. He, like Bing was a huge fan of him. He was the one who does that video that we watch of the guy in blackface singing about his mammy that you hate. Oh, my God. It's horrible, <laughs> you guys. That's Al Jolson. And he's also the guy who would stop the show in the middle of a performance 
and asked the audience if they wanted to carry on with the regular show or just hear him sing. Right, he was the asshole. And then if the audience was like, we want to hear you, he'd be like, all right, the rest of the actors can go home and I'm just going to sing for the rest of the show. I'm sorry, and we had to decide whether or not we liked this person? No, it was, <laughs> it was like a decision that got made for me. I know. <laughs> you would never get along with him. I don't is get along with the episode anyone. where we had a listener say that we were being a little hard on him, or is that someone else? Yeah, well, he wasn't saying we were being hard on him. He was History saying... History is hard on him. Yeah, he was saying a lot of that stuff is maybe? taken out of context and like not accurate fully but i mean i haven't researched that that's just what one of our listeners said it's very so. interesting i would like yeah. to hear the other side but he sounds anyway interesting <laughs> he also Why launched did we the talk about him because again? sam schubert or the schubert theaters helped launch his career like they discovered uh. al jolson and first started putting him on okay and also eddie Cantor, who we haven't talked about and i'm sure you don't know and fred astaire who i'm sure you do know there's a lot more that needs to be said about the Schuberts, but we'll have to save their story until we do a season on Broadway. It's just far too much to get into now. It sounds really cool. I like that you said a season on Broadway. Yeah, that's going to be our <laughs> next <laughs> season. It's going to be a mini season on Broadway. We're just going to have a Broadway run, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> they basically established the Broadway that we know now, and they kept it afloat. Yay, thank you, sirs. During the Great Depression, people didn't have a lot of time or expendable income for entertainment especially for Broadway shows. So despite the rapid decline of theater at this point, the Schuberts still produced some pretty great shows. Here's a song that became pretty popular in the 30s from one of these shows called, the show is called At Home Abroad, and the song is called Love is a Dancing Thing. Oh, look at those ladies. Love is a dancing thing. No idea who's singing this, by the way. I'm in the heyday of it, love. <laughs> <laughs> this might not even be from the show. This might be from a movie at some point. It's getting, so it's getting hot and heavy in this in this video. Well, that's not from the show. <laughs> it's a dancing thing, guys. He's dancing. <laughs> and they're just running for some reason. Well, it looks like another dancing. Well, is he dancing? I've not seen Rocky. This is a masterpiece, and I'm not paying any attention to the music at all. So that's Love is a Dancing Thing. It was nice. From the show At Home Abroad, which doesn't make sense. <laughs> When other theaters were failing and going dark because of the Great Depression, the Schuberts worked really hard to, s to hang on to what they had. At one point, Lee Schubert had to buy back their theaters in an auction after some of them got foreclosed. If they hadn't done that, it's likely Broadway would have died out entirely. Wow. If, if the Schuberts, the company that owned over 1,000 of the top theaters in the country, couldn't survive the Great Depression, what hope did anyone else have? But to their credit, they held on to Sam Schubert's dreams and decided to keep pushing on in the theater business. Broadway, Broadway probably would have come back, even if it looked a lot different, but thanks to them, it never left and was able to just keep chugging along. Aww. That's very cool. Hmm. The 1929 to 1930 season saw 233 shows. The 30 to 31 season, the next year, saw 187 shows. 
Also, besides just the Great Depression, Hollywood poached most of the top Broadway stars for films. Like Al Jolson and Fred Astaire and Ginger... Is it Roberts? Because I put Roberts, Rogers. but I think it's Rogers. Ah, yeah, it's okay. Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. It is said that Hollywood poached something like 75% of the top talent from Broadway during this period. Towards the end of the Depression, by 1939, there were only 98 shows produced in that year, which was the first time in the 1900s that there were less than 100 shows offered in a Broadway season. So things are pretty bleak at this point. Also in 1930, several of the people who had built theater in New York, E.F. Albee. Oh, this will be fun. Do you remember E.F. Albee? No. (laughs) He was from our fourth ever show. Why on earth would I remember? About vaudeville. Vaudeville. He was the one who created blue laws and created blue material. And said people weren't allowed to say things like golly gee on stage. Yeah, that's downright offensive. (laughs) How dare you? Watch your mouth. Go put soap in it. (laughs) And also A.L. Erlanger, who was the leader of the syndicate, they died in the same year. Followed by David Belasco, who was the top producer of the early 1900s in 1931. So all of the best people in theater were dying off. It was a scary time for the theater industry with so many historic titans falling away and not many to take their place besides the Schuberts, who were basically just trying to survive at this point. The theater, as if it didn't have enough problems, also got attacked by the morality police. Right. (laughs) As they should. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I can't even. (laughs) (laughs) Several shows were attacked and actually brought to trial for obscene content. Oh, my goodness. In early 1929, the police raided Mae West's show called Pleasure Man and arrested all 52 actors, charging them with indecency. I mean, it's called saying golly gee. <laughs> it's also called Pleasure Man. Well, Mae West is. Did they show their ankles? <laughs> <laughs> this is the twenties, yeah. you ding. <laughs> Mae West was pretty notorious so as like a sex symbol. Like she was. Yes. Yeah, she was. She was all out. She <laughs> let it all hang loose. <laughs> and that but got her. But I in bet trouble. that that's not really all hanging loose. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Fifty-two <laughs> actors seems like. Like a lot. Yeah. Well, like they arrested basically everyone, like backing dancers, everyone. Well, the can-can girls are in jail. <laughs> the very next day, during a matinee performance, they did it again. So they all what, got they arrested got again. They got 52 <laughs> more. Oh, they all got out of jail. Yeah. <laughs> they I just mean, like <laughs> brought 52 <laughs> understudy. <laughs> They're just arresting every actor every in New York. Every single understudy. <laughs> There's no way that they're gonna do it again. This is finally my chance. <laughs> Surprise! Hey. The the play featured a lot of drag queens and homosexuals. Oh wow! Which the morality That's police not didn't like. Okay. <laughs> Who was the pleasure man? <laughs> One of the drag queens, I guess. I, don't know. I was about to say it's not a regular. <laughs> One of the reviewers called it. Quote, the queerest show you've ever seen, and said, quote, it had all the queens in it. I'm incredibly <laughs> interested <laughs> in watching to see it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just do like a bonus episode on Mae West and just. <laughs> oh, yeah. We don't have man. any clips from the show. I couldn't find it. Why any. not? <laughs> Two years after the premiere of the show, the show was put on trial again for charges of, quote, sex, degeneracy, and sex perversion. I don't know how you're going to try a show in general and not, like, 
individual people, but whatever. <laughs> the trial was incredibly homophobic. During the trial, Mae West, the producer and writer who we've talked about, caused a little bit of an uproar when she asked how a police officer could tell if he was arresting a woman or a man in drag. <gasps> oh! I love her. <laughs> I love her, too. The, apparently that caused a massive uproar in court because she said it like on the stand. And How dare she? Basically, this, that statement and others by Mae West, because she wasn't exactly compliant with the law, the trial ended up being a hung jury, and the judge dismissed the charges. But this trial led to an amendment of the obscenity laws that said only a writer and producer would be held responsible for obscene content and not the performers. Well, I guess it's a little bit of a step in the right direction. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I like As how we went from racism to homophobia. This <laughs> is American history fun. Yeah. <laughs> I love living here. <laughs> As the Depression wore on, ticket prices dropped to 25 cents, with the dollar being the top price for some theaters. How I wish that was now. Yeah. No. But I'm also glad we're not in the Great Depression now. Can't even get that at a matinee. <laughs> <laughs> but the theater community tried to rally together, with some setting up relief funds to help out to help out-of-work actors, stagehands, and other staff. And they became a little Broadway community during this point. During the tough times, like the roughly the 30s, the theater had a chance to experiment and try new things. Gone were the days of massive productions with expensive stages and large chorus lines. No one could afford to do any show like that at this point. So the productions had to be toned down, focused on emotion and artistry. It really allowed some great shows to be seen that otherwise wouldn't have had a chance. Over the next few decades, Broadway occasionally would pivot back towards the more bright and loud musicals, but this period helped usher in something a little bit more mild and different and artistic. Art is cool. As the Great Depression ended, Broadway looked a lot different. It was struggling, but seemed strong. The community managed to support who it needed to, and although it was much smaller, it still stuck. Stuck. <laughs> what is stuck? <laughs> Why isn't that like... Telling me that's not a word. <laughs> Wait, so what are some of the shows that came out of that? I don't know because I didn't write it down and I wrote this episode months ago. <sighs> I'm like very interested. Yeah, it really sucks I mean, when we this happens like when he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, why didn't you anticipate what I wanted to know and write that information down? Let's just Google top Broadway shows of the 1930s. There we go. Fine and Dandy was one. Girl Crazy was one. I remember that being anything goes. A big thing. Is that like the anything goes? That anything doesn't goes sound. Has I don't know. A lot of fanfare. I know that can't be right. The Cat and the Fiddle, Music in the Air. Ooh, what is that? Beezaburned is frillin. <laughs> That's Fraulein for sure. Okay. <laughs> Let him eat cake. Nymph errant. Anything goes. That can't be. Jubilee, Jumbo, Porgy and Bess. That, I remember that one. Yeah. Because that was... Uh, who was we talked about him, but I can't remember who did it. I mm -hmm. um, Actually, he might be next episode. Babes in Arms. Does that mean babes in arms? Or like babes in... Like, <laughs> like they're ready arms. to kill you. Oh, okay. For the sure. The Boys from Syracuse, which might have been based on the Schubert's. I was going to say. And too many girls. Never. Those were, those I was were say, not <laughs> a thing. Cool. Is that the same anything goes? 
We need a follow-up Google search because I'm going to be very surprised if anything goes came out of the first. Because that's a lot. Uh, of out well, of the Great you know, Depression. Wait. Anything goes, honestly. Like, that's a pretty sparse. I mean, 1934. Like, yeah. You can do that with, like, 10 people. I mean, like. Because think about, like, before. We were talking about, like, the cor- like a chorus line yeah, and like all of these, the, like, with the theatrics with massive companies. And anything and goes, like, sure, is like, a big, fun play. But if you think about it, there's not a ton with actors like it's if a high school can put on anything goes i guess and so can and a lot of <laughs> a lot of on broadway at the time like there was a big one that we're not going to talk about here but we will called ziegfeld follies yes. was a huge thing they had it every year and it was like a variety show yep so that's kind of some stuff that was going on it was like a huge budget okay um a lot of great art was created despite the lack of attendance, and a few different people grew out of this period and would become dominant in the industry for a very long time because they were given a chance that they might not have gotten. Next week, we're going to talk about the Gershwins, who were incredibly talented playwrights that got their start during this period. Here is a song from their first musical called Girl Crazy. Yes. It was written by Ira Gershwin? Ira? Ira? I don't I'm know. sure it's Ira. It's called I Got Rhythm. Sung by Judy Garland. Yeah, it's the rhythm, but it's okay. <laughs> can be sunny with never a Don't need what Look how creepily this guy is staring at her. It's acting. He is an actor. This is scary. No, that's real. That's a real look. Might <laughs> <laughs> have a blue mouth behind her. <laughs> <laughs> so unprofessional. He just went backstage. He's like, no one's going to notice that I'm eating this lollipop. <laughs> he comes back out with a blue mouth. He's a good lollipop. about the Gershwins next week. Like well, two of us will. All of us will. Unless you guys just want to Unless you guys just want to talk about them yourselves at home. You're going to be better than I am, so. You actually know some of the things. I know nothing. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I feel like it's where I saw Wicked. Yeah. Maybe. I think so. The Schubert Theater no, or Gersh- Gershwin? Gershwin. Oh, Gershwin's yeah. Theater Gershwin's too. massive, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, the Gershwins are very popular. Is how many Gershwins are there? Two, George and Ira. But Ira is the most known. They George just kind of like wrote music for Ira after a bit. They were brothers. Brother and brother. Yeah. Brother. Ira just needed count. someone to write something <laughs> like lyrics. Who was that lady just in there? Judy, Judy Garland. Judy Garland. <laughs> <laughs> She's um, just Judy performing Garland. that one. So that's all we're gonna really talk about. It's kind of hard to cover like all of these decades of theater in this little bit of time. So I just wanted to give you a brief overview of what it was generally like during this period. Things were tough, but it allowed the community to refine their plays and make some really good art out of it. The best people stuck around and continued to make excellent shows after a decade that could have killed them off. That's basically just what we wanted to cover. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Thank you, everybody. Tell Thank em. you, artists <laughs> of the past. 
Yep. Thank you, artists of the present. And the Schuberts for keeping it afloat. Yeah, Schuberts. There's a lot more that went into it. Because I read a whole book called Razzle Dazzle. It was about this battle of Broadway, and it was basically like the story of the Schuberts. It was very interesting. I like it. So we'll talk way more in depth next season in 2025. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps getting longer and longer. In the meantime, we'll talk way more in depth about our own formation of <laughs> the podcast syndicate. Yeah. <laughs> I've said that Mika needs to just make Mika's the host now a real show, and we'll just put her in the Ooh. closet and she can just talk for 40 <laughs> minutes about whatever. <laughs> I would 100% listen to that, and I See? know that because that is what I have been doing <laughs> for the past <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> See, I said, like, it's great. And then. She just walks into your room, sits on the bed, and starts talking about something random. I would immediately cancel it once it, like, instantly started, like, doubling the numbers this show gets. <laughs> I would just be like, no, I'm not. <laughs> no more of this. Just me listening to it. I don't have times in a row. anything interesting to say. It's fine. That's fair. I don't have anything interesting to close out, but um, if you see a strange frisbee, <laughs> please contact um, one of the podcast hosts. Yeah, you can do that on Twitter. It's soundofhistory underscore. There you go. And sometimes Nick posts on it, and he was supposed sometimes. to post a GIF. I did. Of the banjo? Well, I couldn't find it, so I had to post a link to the GIF, so it didn't really show That's up. so bad. We're so bad at this. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't on Twitter. I don't know what you expected me. <sighs> it's on the internet. Kay. Anyway. So we will talk a little bit more about Broadway in the next couple weeks when we talk about Irving Berlin, because he did a lot of Broadway stuff. And But other than that. I mean, we might do a Broadway part three. I don't know. But for now, we're done. Yay. Thanks for podcasting <laughs> with us, friends. Thanks for having us. You're us cute. And I your love podcast. you. <laughs> Aww. Love you. Let's drink some more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you hopefully next week. But maybe Bye. not. Bye. Love is a dancing I'm in the heyday of it, love is a dancing thing.